0: Hey, welcome to the Informed Simplicity Project, a place for students looking for the informed simplicity on the far side of complexity. Today, I have a great guest, and before we get into that, just wanted to let you guys know, of course, feel free to subscribe, to leave a comment, and if you enjoy this episode, let at least one friend know. All right, without further ado, our guest. Today I have uh, a lady who I think is becoming a friend of mine, um, slowly, um, who is doing some really innovative work in teaching people how to learn, especially across different contexts. Katie Wells, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm the program director for an organization called the Art of Learning Project. Um, we were founded by Josh Waitskin, who wrote uh, the book The Art of Learning, which was an exploration of his journey through learning, um, predominantly focused on his experience as a chess player as a child. Um, he was an eight time national chess champion. And um, and then later, as a young adult, he uh, competed in um, the martial art Tai Chi Chuan and was a two-time world champion in that. Um, and so he wrote this book exploring how it was um, that he, you know, what his approach to learning was that that kind of allows him to excel in this way in these two very disparate fields. And since writing the book, he then went on to um, compete in. Brazilian jiu-jitsu and is now um, interested in some other extreme sports, foiling and paddle surfing. And, you know, he continues to use this approach and all that he does. So this foundation was started um, after the publication of the book to help teachers and coaches take these same ideas and use them within their learning contexts.
0: Yeah. And how did you kind of get on board with the, with the program?
1: So I was a classroom teacher um, for 13 years in New York. I worked in elementary school, um, mostly first, second, and third grades. Um, And, you know, I really, I loved teaching. There was a lot about it that was great, and there was a lot that really drove me crazy. (laughs) And um, I, you know, I kind of hit a point where I felt like I wanted to make a different kind of impact um, in the world of education, that I... Had done what I could do within the context of teaching, but I wanted to do something different. Um, and around that same time, I learned about Josh and I learned about the work that he had done um, and, you know, found out about this organization. And so, you know, that was that I, I you know, we met and I and, uh, came and started to work with him. Yeah. How long ago did you make
0: the transition?
1: It was in 2013.
0: Okay, so you've had some you've had a, a good chunk of time now on the on this side of things mm-hmm. what were some of the things early on that you were like, man, this doesn't really resonate with me when it came to teaching after thirteen years
1: yeah, um you know a lot of it was you know, I was, I was really dedicated to the work with the kids. Um, I, the the relationships that you develop with the kids and the exploration of ideas, um, the excitement of discovery, you know, all of that was really great and engaging. Um, I really struggled with feeling okay about, um, the standardized testing, all of the, you know, the push for collecting data, um, and and how that was or was not used in, in a beneficial way. Um, and, you know, my final years of teaching were when I moved up into third grade, which in New York is the first grade in which they do standardized testing. And I wow. think that was kind of grade. what <laughs> pushed me. Oh, yeah, yeah. That kind of pushed me over the edge, I think. It was just, um, I felt like this isn't, this isn't what I want to be doing with these kids. And I, and, and I should say that I was in a school um, that was really, it was a pretty progressive school. It was pretty supportive um, of teachers. And we didn't do a lot of teaching to the test um, in the way that happens in a lot of places, but, but even so, it just felt like this, this isn't what education is supposed to be about. Um, And so I wanted to kind of take the parts that, really engaged me and that I felt were important, um, for kids and find another way to apply them.
0: Yeah. what's what's education supposed to be about.
1: That's a great question. (laughs) I mean, I, I think it's about, um, it's about discovery and it's about problem solving and it's about, um, you know, meeting challenges and, um, and being excited about them. Um, I think that a lot of what happens in education, at at least in this country, is um, the focus is too often about transfer of information, you know, filling vessels with information. Um, And so for, for children, I think it begins to feel like education is something that happens to you, you know, school happens to you. And, it, that shouldn't be what it is. You know, learning is is something that you're doing. It's it's active, um, and
0: you're uh, participant in the process.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And that's kind of lacking, in general, in our modern education system. Kids are kind think of left so. out of it.
1: Right, right. And I I do think that it's slowly changing. um I you know I see it. Um, I saw it some in the school where I was teaching, and I see it some in my children's school, and um, and with teachers that I that I speak with through this work. You know, I think that steps are being made, um, but there there are big leaps that need to happen still um, to really change the way that we think about teaching and learning. Yeah, hmm.
0: that's interesting. can back over my own sort of educational history, which was far too much <laughs> you know <what> I mean. <laughs> I went way too far in school um I don't know if that was true for me but then again I mean I was homeschooled for a large part of my own thing mm. and I think for me looking in on the public school system which I was which I was never a, a part of you know um I did go to a high school and my experience was what I actually really needed was a lot less in a sense. Like yeah. we I did not sit in my living room for eight hours a day and then come home and do more homework when I was in when I was being homeschooled. Um and I was surprised at how well I was doing once I went to um I went to a private school in in high school. And I was surprised at how well I did. And so you saying all that makes me just think about Um, And, of course, my story isn't going to be true for everyone, but apparently I didn't need to be taught for eight hours a day, then have two hours of homework every night. Um, I did, I graduated with above a 3.0 in high school, right, like, and so maybe, maybe you're right. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought about it from that angle, but that's, that's an interesting sort of lens.
1: Yeah, I think that's, you know, and that's a big piece of what we're doing through the organization is trying to change the focus with learning from, um, from being so content heavy to being about learning how to learn, you know, because if you have the skills to learn, if you understand how to approach problems and and how to approach challenges, then you can learn anything regardless of content. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, I think that's, that's really what's important and, and where we need to take things with education.
0: What was your own sort of educational journey like? How did you get into teaching?
1: Um, so I, I went to, you know, pretty standard public schools up through middle school. Um, and, you know, they were fine, but there was nothing, nothing really exceptional about them. Um, And I had two very different high school experiences. Um, I went to private school for high school. And one, my first school was um, a very rigorous prep school. Um, There was certainly work on learning how to learn, but it was also very, very um, content heavy. And um, I learned a lot there, but um, it wasn't quite the right fit for me and then i went to a very different school um a just tiny tiny little private school that was founded by a man named Krishnamurti. um i know that name yeah he he's an indian uh philosopher and educator and um he started quite a few schools in india and one in the uk like and big, one in the like states
0: like a very big deal isn't he but like not yeah in the states.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's a really interesting man, um, and I happened to grow up in the town where he had moved in the states. Um, so he had started a school there, and um, and that school had a very, very different approach to learning, and much more in line with. You know, I think it really impacted what I think about teaching now. And it was um, it was very conversational. Classes were tiny. There were five students in my graduating class. So we had really close relationships with our teachers Um, and uh, you know, everything that we did was about exploration and discovery Um, all, you know, real hands-on learning in a way that I think at the time wasn't as popular as it is now. It wasn't, you know, that wasn't such a catchphrase, (laughs) Um, but it, you know, it was very impactful for me. Um, And it, you know i I really loved that part of my high school experience in a way that uh, most of the kids that I knew did not um, <laughs> you know but and I, and I think another piece of that that was really important is that as the, the students in that school, we had a lot of agency um, you know we really had a say in in what happened in the in the school and how things were run. students even built some of the buildings, you know it was really um it was our place as well. And so that was kind of the start of my um, my path to do this. And then um, I didn't study education in college, um, but I was still, I was interested in, in working with children. And when I graduated, I taught preschool um, for a couple of years and then felt like, okay, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to take this a little further and go a little deeper. And so I went Back to school to get my master's in education, and um, and then moved to New York and started teaching in elementary school here.
0: There you go. Hmm. Hearing you talk about your high school experience just sounds idyllic. Sounds like it. Yeah. um, Not just a place of learning, but also a safe place to grow as a person.
1: Yes, yes, that's really true. And especially at that time of life, you know, I think those those years of your life are, you're doing a lot of um, discovery about who you are, and you're pushing a lot of boundaries. Um, And it's, you know, it's important to be able to do that in a space where you are heard and, and you're known and you're cared for. Um, And I definitely felt that way. That's very, very cool. Yeah. Not many people have that. No, I, I feel very privileged that I was able to go to that school. Yeah. Um, so now with the foundation, what do
0: you, what's your, what's your, what's your role? What do you find yourself doing?
1: Yeah. I, um I do a little bit of everything. Uh, my, you know, <laughs> my, my title is program director, but um I'm really, I'm, I'm the person who um, interacts with all of our programs and, um, you know, kind of, I've got my hands in everything. So um, we, I do a lot of um, have a lot of direct conversations with teachers, with coaches, with administrators um, about the learning principles that, that our foundation is based on and, and help them think about how they can implement them in their learning communities Um I also uh do some writing um to create resources for teachers to to use these ideas. Um and then we have an online community on Slack um with which you know about, yeah, with um various people who are interested in in discussing these ideas. And so um, you know, I'm on there as well. Yeah. Okay. You sound you sound busy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sound very busy.
1: Yeah, I am. You know, I love it. I mean, it's this is like, you know, this work is these are all of the things that I loved about teaching. Um and now I get to spend all of my time doing this. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get to have the kids in front of me and I miss that. Um but I get to focus on the stuff that is important to me. Yeah. Yeah, which is very cool. Which is another way
0: that I think we uh, I'm also in that situation. Are privileged, right? We get to do a job that we enjoy, and is very meaningful to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, can we talk about some of the some of the principles?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favorite one? Oh. Maybe I shouldn't wow. asked that question. I should have well, question. I you
1: know I mean I kind of love that it's it changes a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I've gone through periods, um, where there are certain principles that all of our programs end up focusing on a lot. Um, and then, you know, and then that will kind of change and we'll, we'll move towards doing something else. And so, um, the first few years, uh, we did a lot of work, um, on what we call the resilience principles. And there are. Um, about five of those, and, and the, they're sort of the foundational ideas for all of Josh's work. So there are things like um, learning to value the process of learning over the results. Um, the idea of investing in loss, which is, you know, when, when you experience a failure um, or have some kind of, you know, make a mistake of some kind to look at it as a, as a learning experience and to change your approach based on it. Um, beginner's mind is another one, which is um, kind of about approaching what you're doing without your ego, um, you know, so so going into it with an open mind and an open heart. Um, and then using adversity, which is kind of a more advanced idea, which is about, um, you know, using those like difficult situations to your advantage, um, letting them help you to grow So we spent lots and lots of times on those. So uh, you know, my first couple of years, I might've said some of those were my favorite. Um, I I love the idea of investing in loss. I think it's super important. And although it seems very basic and straightforward, um, I don't think it happens a lot um, for lots of people, including myself. I mean, one of the things that's so great about this job is that it's really helping me to grow as a person. you know, to, to work with these ideas all the time. Um, And just, you know, to understand, to really understand and internalize the idea that not only are, is it okay to make mistakes or to fail at something, but it's, it's good in a way, you know, like that's, if you're not, if you're not making mistakes and you're not failing, you're not growing. Um, And if the goal is growing, you should be messing up a lot, you know, and then just, but don't mess up in the same way every time, you know, (laughs) learn from it and, and change. Um, more recently, um, you know, I, I think, I mean, you know this because of the work that we've been doing on Slack, but I've, I've gotten really excited about, um, some of the, um, the introspection ideas and the peak performance ideas and, um, you know i really i'm i really am enjoying um the principle of loving the game um which is this idea of um really like finding joy and excitement in um in even like the most difficult parts of, of what you're working on and um and learning to sort of look forward to the challenge of it um and that's For me, that's really interesting. And I think, you know, when I think about what that means for classroom teachers, um, I think it's super important and also hard. You know, like a a lot of kids aren't necessarily excited about what they're learning in school. You know, they're they're there because they have to be there. Um, And, you know, the teacher has to create an environment that, Um, is so engaging for them that they want to be there and if you can help them understand how to be passionate about what they're doing regardless of what they're doing um, and how to be excited about you know kind of powering through those parts that are difficult um, that's you know that's phenomenal I mean that's life-changing for those kids yes they grow up
0: yeah man what you're saying um hits me on so many different levels you're talking about loving the game and we had a guy on last week his name is mark andreas he talks about he did work at a um wilderness therapy center with you know kids who were basically on their last chance and one of its principles is if it's not fun, you're not doing it right. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> And he's like, you know, you wouldn't think that it's fun to be out on a wilderness excursion with, I don't know, 10 adolescents who hate being there, but it can be. And if, and if it's not, you need to change your approach. <laughs> like, like, it's supposed yeah. to be fun. Um, and that really impacted me And what you're saying. It's impacting me now. And, and I hate to be one of those people. But maybe I am. Maybe I need to be at peace that I'm one of those people. But it almost feels like technology pulls us away from that. Mm -hmm. Because instead of finding a way to enjoy where we are, we have all the world's information, like, in our pockets. And it's just easier. It's just easier to go toward whatever that thing is, even if it's a good thing, you know. Um, Even if you're watching, listening to some podcast or some YouTube, whatever, it takes you out of the moment
1: yeah yeah i think that's true and i you know i'm i'm certainly not a, a luddite i mean i i love technology and i think right. there are a lot of <laughs> you know wonderful benefits to it but um it is really important to find balance with it mm-hmm. um and hard it's hard it too hard. It's very yeah
0: hard. what's your what's your process like because i mean i feel like that really relates to um So my three favorite principles, probably the first one is investments and loss. To me, that is so big. Um, And not just because of how you grow from failure, but also whenever you're doing something new or something challenging, if you can remove the lens of failure, what you automatically do is discover something that you never were looking for in the first place. Mm -hmm um and to me that's so big because so often we get stuck in our own little mental ruts right and so um and i wish i had a really good example for this but i don't off the top of my head it'll one will come to me anyway the second is uh the downward spiral you know which i feel like we've all gotten caught in
1: which Mm -hmm. is where
0: something doesn't go according to plan and then, because of that, you kind of beat yourself up. And then, because you beat yourself up, you perform worse. And then, because you're performing worse, you beat yourself up more, and
1: just sort of
0: falls apart. And then, my third favorite principle, which I think is, I think it's, I think it's one of the things that is magical, um, and and I mean that like this is this is deep, strong magic is presence Mm -hmm. being fully present um which is hard to do hard to do now now nowadays so when you think about being present and you think about um you know enjoying where you are what are some of the things that you do to sort of foster and grow that process because so much of this whole thing is using principles building them into habits so that they're a way of being for us um, even in really
1: hard moments Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Presence is, um, that's, that's something I'm always working on. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a, it's a big place to grow. Um, I mean, f- for me, I think probably the most valuable thing that I do for that is meditate. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it, it's so helpful to kind of, get that frame, um, of just, you know, just kind of allowing things to go by without getting caught up in them and being pulled in a million directions. Um, you know, I definitely in my, in my day to day life am easily, I easily find myself doing 17 different things at once, (laughs) you know, and, and doing none of them very well. Um, So I think that meditation is really helpful with that. And then, and throughout the day, you know, I I meditate when I wake up first thing in the morning, but then I try um, to take little moments throughout the day to just kind of put myself back into that headspace, even if it's just for a minute or so. Um, uh, And then, you know, I think, I mean kind of along those same lines a a lot of it is just catching myself you know when I've kind of gone off off the track when I'm when I'm not where when I'm not present to what's happening just learning to catch myself in those moments and the more that I try to do that the better I get at doing that um and just bringing myself back again and you know practicing little things like um you know, when I wash the dishes, like really trying to just wash the dishes. Don't, you know, don't <laughs> listen to a podcast at the same time. Don't try and, you know, I don't know, cook dinner while I'm doing the dishes or, you know, just just do that. Just yeah. focus on that one thing. Um, That's hard. It is it is hard. It is hard. I mean, I think that having in some ways having young kids helps with that um, because they demand your attention, you know? So, um, I mean, in some ways it's like you're pulled in even more directions because there's so much going on, but in the times when I let myself really be present with what we're doing, you know, okay, we're just, we're reading this book right now, or we're playing with this toy right now or, or whatever it is. Um, it's, it can be so engaging and they are so present in what they're doing that, um, that, that can be helpful.
0: Kind of modeling that for for you.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: How old are your kids? Oh, and you don't have to answer that if you don't want to.
1: Oh, it's okay. Um, yeah. they're six and ten.
0: Yeah. I have a one-year-old. And to see him just be enamored with blocks, it's like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you're just yeah, you're not anywhere else. You're just stacking a blocks and then unstacking them and then stacking yeah. them
1: again. You're not. Yeah, yeah, it was is interesting. Uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I was um, working on writing some, you know, creating some new resources for teachers, and we I was working with the idea of flow um, and how to how to create flow. And man, kids are just—they're so in the flow of what they're doing. Um, it it helped me to get a very different perspective on. You know, my younger son was probably about three at the time and to have a different perspective on what's going on when I'm calling his name, you know, Hey, it's time to come to dinner or whatever. And, and he's, it's as if I don't even exist. You know, he's so, he's yeah. so in what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, there's something to learn from that.
0: Yeah. There it is. I, I love that image too. Cause that, you know, we've talked a little bit about flow and I've read a, lo- a little bit about it and a lot of the stuff now that's coming out about flow feels very frantic to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I never would have said that until a second ago because the popular stuff about flow and then thinking about kids who were in this sort of state of flow feels very different. Um, and, And maybe part of it is that there's a lot of energy people are putting in to um, getting into flow right? I mm-hmm. want to get into flow so I can perform optimally kids don't do that right <laughs> just, Right. you know they are it's almost like a flow is this sort of non-anxious way of moving with what's going on adults are anxious about getting to that place and kids um, adults are anxious about being non-anxious <laughs> kids, are, kids are just chill about it. right <laughs> interesting. right Cool. cool um what's your meditative process look, look like now
1: um i actually i use an app called headspace yeah um i i just i think it's great it's very helpful for me to have a guided meditation um and you know i don't know if you're familiar with with the app but um, yeah i
0: used it my wife used it and then i use calm which i like a little bit better
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so
0: yeah but hit space is great
1: yeah yeah so it's um you know i can i sort of depending on what i feel like i'm struggling with at the time or i need to work on you know there are different um kinds of guided meditation packs that you can use and so um these days i'm really working on focus <laughs> you know and, and maintaining focus on on what i'm doing so I've, I've been working on a meditation pack that helps with that.
0: Focus. Yeah.
1: Ooh.
0: Yeah. Meditation is one of the things that I feel like the, the on-ramp is very hard, but once you're hooked, at least for me, it tends to stick. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the problem is people have to find form that works for them, um, which takes a while. And when you're not doing that or until you've done that, it, it it's just it's it's. I don't want to say that it's hard because sitting is not hard, but it's not easy. I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah.
0: What What have you found to be helpful to kind of get people to um for it to resonate with people so that they can invest in the in the process?
1: Yeah. Um. You know. I think that. You know, it's going to be different for different people, but I know for me, a a big um, sticking point early on was feeling like I I couldn't fit it in. Yeah, I didn't have the time, um, and so I started really really small. You know, just do it for five minutes a day, um, and I tried it at different times during my day to see you know where it fit best, and I, you know, I realized if I waited until you know, after my kids were at school and I was back at work and, and tried to do it then it was too easy to get caught up in all of the other things that I was doing um, and not make the time for it. But, you know, as much as I love to sleep, you know, waking up five minutes earlier wasn't that much of a struggle. Um, And once I did that for a while and I started to see that I felt better, um, and that i and i mean the the experience of when i when i started really started meditating and how different everything felt was so amazing um you know i just i mean and, and in little ways but once i started doing it in the mornings every day you know i i realized like man i've been really grumpy in the mornings for the last like 4 <laughs> years <laughs> I don't need to be this way. You know, this, this doesn't have to be everyone's experience first thing in the morning. Um, And so then it was, then it was kind of hooked and it was easier to, okay, you know, I'll wake up five minutes earlier, 10 minutes earlier and kind of push it until I have, you know, a reasonable amount of time that I can really focus on it um, first thing in the morning. So for me, that's, that's what helped. And I, um, you know, when I, talk to teachers about it. I mean, it's a little different because um, if they're doing it in the classroom, you know, obviously they can't do it first thing in the morning. They're doing it whenever it is that they have their students. Um, And, you know, some of um, the conversations that I've had with Josh around this, you know, it's really important when you're starting um, a meditation practice to be sure that you are doing it initially at a time when you feel calm already. Mm. Um, You don't want to start it in the midst of chaos because then you'll associate those feelings with the meditation. And so in the classroom, you know, that can be hard, but you can find those times. um, You know, there's, there's sort of that ebb and flow throughout the day and you can find those times when the kids tend to be most focused and, and most present. And if you start to introduce Um, meditation at that time and just again with kids we say you know two or three minutes i mean it's just a short little thing just to have that experience um then you know then they'll 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 start to really feel the benefits of that as well and then it becomes an easier thing to to put into your day and you can start to use it at other times then as well more more trying times um, once the pattern has been established
0: yeah do you have a do you personally have a um a ramping up process, right? Like do you also now meditate in more difficult situations or are you mostly doing it in the morning when it's easiest to do or what's your
1: um you know, I don't I mean I I don't really like sit down for a long meditation in difficult situations. Um I am I'm probably more likely when there are a lot of things going on that I'm just kind of generally stressed out about, I'm more likely to do it multiple times in, in a day. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that's kind of that's how I ramp it up is just sort of do it more often. But for me, I, st- I still personally need to um, have it happen at times when things are calm around me. Um, and I, you know, I think everybody's different that way.
0: How long do you meditate for?
1: Um, generally 15 minutes. Sometimes I, sometimes I manage 20, but
0: yeah. Yeah. In my own life, um, I started meditating. Wow. In 2015, after, uh, coming back from my hypnosis training and was on and off for a long time. And eventually I kind of got. On the train, once I realized that if I would meditate more than eight minutes, my mom would, my mind would finally settle, and they'd mm-hmm. be like this, like, um, I don't know, I can't, I can't, I can't put it in words, but it was like this, like, quiet, calm. And so for me now, um, my son's sleep schedule has been off, which is throwing me off. Mm-hmm. But um, absolutely, fifteen minutes or more, fifteen to twenty minutes, is like the sweet spot for me. Yeah. And it's it's weird because I've, I'm at the point now where I I know that the first eight minutes are just going to be noise. It's just like static. <laughs> it's just static, yeah. you know. <laughs> um. And at the beginning, even even a year and a year and a half ago, that would just ruin me. You know. Like, yeah. Oh, I um. But now. I just know it's a part of the process it's just what yeah. happens. and that you're right. Like that has helped so much. Uh, and it's, it's incredible how that 15 minutes at the beginning of the day, 20 minutes at the beginning of the day can really set the path of the whole rest of the day. Um, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Wow. So that really resonates. Hmm. There was something you said about doing things in a way that it feels good. Uh, You're talking about meditating and starting that in a time when you initially feel very calm. Mm -hmm. That seems to be one of the other sort of general principles. Um, in the work. like I've also heard people talk about um, training. I think Josh talks about training and how you want to train until it feels good and then you want to stop so that you're always sort of going back for more, right? Leaving mm. things unsaid, leaving the well untapped. Yeah. Um, is that a formal sort of principle or is that more of an informal principle? Or- um. Yeah, I
1: mean, I don't you know if i were to like look through the list of our principles i'm not sure exactly where i would categorize that but that's definitely a huge piece of his process um and and it's those are kind of two different things but but very related um you know he talks a lot um with um with journaling about the idea of you know, s- stopping, stopping when you're in the middle of something, stopping when um, b- before you've kind of finished the whole process um, and, and journaling a little bit at, at the end of your day about where you are and, and what you're working on. And, and if you're stuck in some places, um, and then waking up first thing in the morning, um, I believe Josh does it even before he meditates in the morning and, 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 um, journaling again before you've had any kind of input um and just letting kind of everything that's happened in your unconscious mind come out um and he talks about how um the connection to your you know your creativity that happens there um i'm just thinking about the principles and i'm thinking well i guess that could fit in with with intuition um the idea of intuition and developing the internal compass you know is, is kind of there um and, and then, it, I guess for me to be a little
0: bit more clear, yeah,
1: there
0: seems to be a general principle of training yourself to enjoy the to enjoy the process, right? mm-hmm. setting things up so that so that the process of doing it makes you want to do it more. Yeah, that that seems to be like a theme across some of these. Th- so maybe I'm off, and I'm trying to check in with you to see. Whether,
1: no, I think that's I know, right.
0: Whether it's meditating or you know setting it up so that wow i i'm enjoying this so then I'm yeah the next day and do it again
1: yeah yeah and i think it's all of those things i mean you know that's a the more i do this work um the more i see that every single one of these ideas that josh has they're all interconnected <laughs> each one plays on the other and um you know he even talks a lot about um how you know the work that you do in one particular area is going to impact all of these different areas um because of all these threads that connect them all um yeah so so yeah so journaling meditation you know all of these things are going to have an effect yeah um but you know, the other piece of what you were talking about is he um Josh tells this story a lot about having a conversation with um Billy Kidd, who's a skier, um, about, you know, what the what the most important um part of the run was, you know, and and he says, Well it's the you know, it's those last three, you know, seconds before you get on the lift. And it's the you know, the idea that like you you need to end strong you know don't that you're when you're skiing like that's that point when people tend to be sloppy because they're kind of done going down the hill they're going back up on the lift they're sloppy but it's you internalize what you've done at that point you know and that's what you go into the next thing having internalized and so um if you're thinking about that in in terms of education and in terms of the work that you're doing in the classroom then you, know, you you don't want to end your class period with kind of chaos or like, Oh, just, you know, sort of some throwaway activity. You want to end it with something powerful and strong, which doesn't mean finishing it, you know, because that's that, that other piece, but, um, but really being in it and invested in it.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about motivation because these principles are wonderful. And it seems like they require people, especially students, to be highly motivated,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: but maybe that's not the case. What have you found?
1: I I think that motivation is important. Um, and I mean, I think whether it's about working with these principles or not, if you're really going to learn anything, you need to be motivated to learn it. If if you don't care to do it, you're just not going to go that far. Um, so, you know, teachers are always, uh, working on how to get children to be more motivated. Um, And I, you know, some of what's come come up more um, recently in conversations is this, you know, this idea of um, intrinsic motivation and how you get kids to feel like really intrinsically motivated, because I think what happens a lot in classrooms is this extrinsic motivation, you know, the reward systems, um that teachers use you know stickers lollipops whatever as kids are older you know extra credit i don't know different different things that that they're doing but they're it's not coming from the kids and so um once those rewards go away you know it's it's hard to kind of get them to to keep pushing forward um and they're not doing it for themselves um so you know building intrinsic motivation is hard but um but it's it's definitely doable, and I think a lot of it is about um, you know really giving kids um, autonomy. You know, letting them make choices about how they're learning. You know, you may um, you may be teaching a, a unit of study on on one particular thing, but if kids can have some choices about um, how they're getting information about that thing. If they're going to read books, if they're going to go see a play, if they're going to, you know, find videos on YouTube, whatever, if they can, you know, kind of make choices about how they're accessing that information and make choices about how they're presenting that information, what you know, what they've learned, um, they're going to be much more invested in, in what they're doing because it's theirs. Yeah. Um, and I also, you know, I think that... Um, giving kids a lot of opportunities to feel a sense of mastery with what they're doing and a sense of competence with what they're doing um, can also really build that motivation. If, if, you know, if, if the work that you're doing is either way too easy or, or way too hard, you know, it's, it's going to get dropped. Um, but if kids feel like, you know, I've got to kind of push, but I can really, I can, I can make it there and I can feel some success with this. Then um, I think they tend to be driven to do it more. Hmm.
0: That's really powerful to me. It's really powerful. Um, Yeah. As a therapist. um, I I'm fortunate enough now to work with people who are mostly highly motivated, you know. But for a very long time I worked with people who were um, not. A lot of new therapists work in situations where they have mandated clients. um, Right. So this question of motivation has always sort of been one that I've had just kind of skirt around, I've had to deal with, I've had to push through. Um, and I've read some books, I think that you and I have exchanged a few resources, like Daniel Pink, I think, about mm-hmm. uh, motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and something about the way that you sort of set that up really resonates with with me. Because I think there's a part of me that wants to I don't want to feel like I have to control everything all the time, and it almost seems like that's the, the economy that that we that we get into, right?
1: Right.
0: Either I have to control it because I have to perform in some way, whether it's you've got to, I've got to make you attend these sessions, or I've got to get this information into you so that my evaluations at the end of the year or your test scores are at a certain level. Um, but that seems to kill the thing we're trying to foster. Right. So that was, I think that was a very beautiful way to sort of set that up to, to, to uh, talk about that. Um, well, look, we're winding down, coming up on our time. Um, I have two more questions for you. Maybe, maybe Okay. Um, what books do you like? If I mean, obviously, you have to, everyone has to read The Art of Learning, which uh-huh. to me is, there are three books I think everyone needs to read, and that's, on the list. Mm-hmm. Um but besides that, what are what are some other books that you think man, these are just gold?
1: You know, I don't tend to read a lot of books that are in this genre. Um
0: have to
1: be. Yeah. You I mean, I'm them. I'm a I'm a real novel reader. Yeah. <laughs> um I did I mean there have been books that um Josh has recommended to me that have been really um great um you know the inner game of tennis phenomenal was yeah a really great book I do not play tennis but it was a really you know it was um it's not about tennis, I mean it's applicable though. it's not about tennis yeah exactly <laughs> um and it was that was a really interesting one um the title of this book is escaping me right now. Um, I'm going to have to think back on this one, but there's, there's a book that's about kind of subtraction, you know, and, and. um, I haven't read that one, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was really great. I wish I could remember what it was called right now. I can see the cover, but. Might have um, to pick it
0: up if you recommend it. I'll have to pick it up then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good one. It was you know, that's certainly something, I mean, probably most of us could, could do with some subtraction in our lives, but um, (laughs) it was really helpful to think about, Oh, essentialism. Mm. That's the name of the book. Essentialism. Um, Yeah. To think about what those things are that are really important and and what you value and, and, and what you can get rid of.
0: Yeah. Hmm. What uh, novels are you, are you reading now?
1: Um, I'm reading a book right now called *The Underground Railroad*. Um, again, the author's name is escaping me. It's it's a really, it's a very intense, um, really really good book.
0: Okay, is it about the Underground Railroad? It
1: is. It's about the Underground Railroad. Yeah, um, but it's uh, it's an actual railroad you know, there's an actual working train, but it's this whole underground sure system. and Yeah, it. I mean, it's a really, it's a really amazing book. Maybe my sister read it. Someone I know. Right Whitaker, morning. I think is the author's last name. Yeah. Whitcomb, I can't remember exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. okay. Um, what do you see as sort of the next step in the field of, of education? What's the next thing that we need to be doing?
1: I mean you know not to like kind of toot our own horns too much but (laughs) i feel like this stuff that we're doing needs to be happening everywhere like we need to really um put a lot more attention into um like demystifying learning you know and and helping kids understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and how to do it um, instead of this experience of it just being something that happens to them. Um,
0: so you also have a sense the kids to understand the point behind what they're learning.
1: Yes. Yes. I think that's really true. I mean, it's, you know, I can't even within my own family, I can't think of how many times I've heard like, what, why do I have to do this? You know, um, and yeah, I think if they, if they understood the why behind it, um, that makes it, it much easier to put the energy into it. Um, Do
0: you think teachers could actually say why? Because it yeah. seems to me that a lot of the why is actually pointless. And, and that sounds, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a bombshell, but, um, I don't know, it seems like if, if teachers were to be honest, a lot of the why would be like, because this is how the system just is.
1: Mm. I, I don't know, I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I think that, um, at, at least for me, the the why is not, I guess the why that I'm talking about is like, because it's really important um, to know how to handle situations where things you encounter things that are new um, and confusing and unknown and to, to know how to tackle those things, mm. you know, um, it's, it's important to understand yourself. You know, I think a, really a lot of the work that we're, we do requires introspection Um and, and learning how to be reflective and um, you know I don't think we talk nearly enough with kids about like helping them understand themselves and and what drives them and what excites them and and how to take those things um, and apply them to everything that they're doing you know it's if you if you know that you know you really engage um, you get really excited about doing things when you're when you're working with groups of people and solving problems together and 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 have this back and forth dialogue you know that that's exciting to you, then you can take that and apply it in lots and lots of different situations um regardless of what it is that you're learning about you know you can use that approach because that's that's your strength and that's your that's what draws you uh and if we Help kids understand those things about themselves you know it will it will change the way that they're approaching what they do
0: yeah that's a much bigger why and i think that one would was would resonate with with a lot of kids mm-hmm. you know i don't think kids today are going to Resonate with the idea of. I don't think kids today are going to resonate with, with a lot of the content and mm-hmm. you know, with a lot of the memoriz- memorization of that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think kids will resonate with the process.
1: Yeah. Right. So, and, you know, and maybe that's part of what needs to change is that, um, you know, if kids are more involved in deciding the content, um, you know, then, then the why changes as well. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's a more complicated thing than having this sort of top down decision about what it is that you're going to do. I mean, that takes a lot more, um, planning and, and work, I think, um, on the part of the teachers but it also would mean a much more invested group of students you know if they have some real say in, in what it is that they're doing
0: why do you think that we're stuck on this path that, that we're on
1: no for whatever reason the educational system is really 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 slow to change um you know i i mean uh, I think it was designed the way it was because we, you know, we needed a lot of factory workers. You know, we needed people who could kind of do things in a systematic way and produce. Um, And that's not, that's not the case anymore. You know, that's not how things really work anymore. It's not what we want to be preparing kids for. Um, But it's, you know, this, system is so big um, and so bureaucratic you know that it it's I don't know it's really hard to change because I I do I feel like there's there's so much information out there we know so much about how kids learn um, and about what is really going to help them to grow and and kind of get to where they need to be as adults and it's just not happening yet um, in classrooms yeah. It, it isn't some. It isn't some. I shouldn't say that it's not happening anywhere. I think there are places that are doing really great things, but um but in general it's not widespread. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of individual teachers who are doing really really phenomenal work with kids. It's yeah. I mean it's amazing to me the people that I have met doing this who are so dedicated to what they do um, and so thoughtful about what they do and it's really it's very very inspiring and many of them are working within school systems that do not support that work at all um, and I'm you know I'm just constantly impressed um, by what they do and really you know honored to get to work with them and, and, and do whatever I can to, to support them in that
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it would take for us to change?
1: I'm not sure I have the answer to that, you know? I think, um, you know, I think we need to, I mean, information needs to get out there, but I think also, you know, teachers are so strapped for time and, and, um, you know, I know from when I was in the classroom, it was, it was really difficult to do much above and beyond, what was expected of me um, because there's just so much you know, and so I, I think that's part of what makes it hard to change is is because teachers don't have you know the time or the energy um, to put into it on their own, and the expectation is that they will do it on their own, you know um, and I think that <sighs> you know, administrators or even those above them who are, you know, making decisions about curriculum and about how, you know, what how time is spent during the day and about the kind of professional development that teachers receive, um, you know, those those things need to change. Um, you know, if, if, you know, there are schools who who, where they set aside time every day for the whole school to meditate you know, or, um, and they give teachers, you know, a period a day um, where they can plan collaboratively on, on how to, you know, do these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really important. Teachers need to be much more supported in um, bringing these kinds of ideas to their kids. Yeah.
0: It sounds like part of, part of the answer is for leadership to change the context, to change mm-hmm. how it, to change the structure, um, so that it's easier for st- teachers to do what they do best. Yeah. Well, where can people find out more about you and and the foundation?
1: Um, our website is theartoflearningproject.org. dot um, org. That's the best place to go, and. Um, you know, if people, I mean, certainly read The Art of Learning by Joshua Waitskin if um, you want to learn more about these ideas. And, um, you know, through our website, you can contact me if you're interested in, in working with us or um, you can email me at katie at com. Um, you know, we'd love to have, people just come and ask about the ideas that they're interested or if people would like to join our Slack community to be part of the conversations that are happening there. Um, you know, the best way to do it is to reach out to me and, and let me know. Well, thank you so much.